Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. It's Thursday, November the 16th. Australia, one game away from another World Cup final. So that is tonight, weather permitting, of course, and we'll take a really good deep dive into Australia's semi-final against South Africa throughout the course of the morning. Wherever you've joined us on 1170am in Sydney, or on the SEN app right now. Thanks so much for being part of the show. As you know, on a Thursday, everyone's a winner. That's how we like to frame our Thursdays because we've got our last listener standing quiz. We've got a golf box prize back to give away. There we go. Signa Boost Power Bank as well. Now, the golf box prize pack, by the way, has a few little different treats in it. An Odyssey cap, a tour towel, Truvis golf balls. You can shop at golfbox.com.au. That's our last listener standing quiz. You've got to be in it to win. We'll do it in about an hour's time. So straight after the 10 o'clock news, it's when our Queensland audience join us. So we're giving you a heads up, Sydney listeners. Get in early. Get in front of the queue. Maestro's in charge of all the calls today. Brenton's in our studio as well. So we'll put you through there. If you get through the five questions, you'll get your choice of a golf box prize pack or a Signet Boost power bank. You'll need to know your cricket. You'll need to listen carefully because the way this works is I essentially give you the answers in the next 15 or 20 minutes and then you've just got to make sure that you're tuned in. So cricket, ODI plus WBBL, bit of NRL that will be sprinkled in this morning and some Netflix as well. The Netflix Cup was held last night. Did anyone catch any of this? I only saw little bits and pieces of it on social media and it looked just like, I don't know what it looked like. It, it looked like a Bucks party. It looked like pub golf that they filmed. It was Netflix's first foray into live sports, and that's why I wanted to bring it up with you. Not so much of the event itself, but what it means for sports broadcasting to you and I down the track, because these guys are now starting to do live events, and we know what kind of scale they've got. So the way that it panned out... It's all part of the Vegas extravaganza. Golfers and Formula One drivers, so the golfing full swing program on Netflix, Formula One drive to survive, meet in the middle while they've got Formula One in Vegas this weekend. They had Max Homer and Alex Albon, Ricky Fowler playing with Lando Norris, Tony Finau with Pierre Gasly and Justin Thomas with Carlos Saints. They went on to win. There are a whole stack of challenges. They had a golf buggy race. That a Squid Game-inspired round where you could only tee off when the big Squid Game doll wasn't looking. (laughs) They did interviews with Mark Wahlberg. They did a Zoom interview with Patrick Mahomes. The sphere was in everything. That massive sphere was overlooking everything. Now, advertisers reportedly coughed up $2 million for various spots and sponsorships throughout the broadcast on the sphere in program. From what I can digest this morning throughout the critics and those that watched it with a critical eye. They had some pretty serious audio problems. Uh, It was pretty chaotic, like I mentioned. It was very, very gimmicky. And one critic said this was a watchable event showing that Netflix Live as a platform's getting there, but it's not quite ready for prime time. He said you can re-watch the Netflix Cup via Netflix now, but probably suggest waiting for the next one. So a few transmission problems and all that kind of stuff. But keep your eyes on this because this is where we're heading further down the track. I reckon Australia, because of our regulations here, are a little bit behind the eight ball and a little bit sort of uh, in a straitjacket. But these 
major streaming players are dipping their toes into live sports and live events. Not for me, that one. And I don't think it was for too many people, but really it was more aimed at just getting a, a, a foot into the game, so to speak. Meanwhile, the Sphere, because remember, Formula One is racing around Las Vegas this weekend. For the first time since, well, they did race back there at Caesars Palace. I think it was 1982. But this is a first on so many levels. A first because Formula One will be the promoter of the event. It's their event. They're promoting it. So it's their money, their input, their people, their everything. They've spent some $200 million building everything that goes around Vegas. It's a street circuit. And the sphere is just as important here as everything else that's going on. Go and have a look at what they're planning across the weekend. It'll blow your mind. Advertising for Formula One, drivers on there, driver cards, helmet-shaped, sponsorship deals. They have a recovery brunch on Sunday morning. The race is on Saturday night. They're going to have a recovery brunch inside the sphere where they'll play highlights of the race from the night before on those super LED HD screens in there. It'll be mind-boggling. But here's a quirk. Throughout the course of the race, and they're driving around the sphere, they can't have any red or yellow graphics that pop up on the sphere because they're worried the drivers will think it's a yellow safety car or it's a red flag session. So they won't have any red or yellow popping up on the sphere because they don't want it to pop in front of the driver's eyes. The race will start over there at 10 o'clock p.m. on Saturday night. So a super start, a super late start for that one. It could well be a game changer. And in terms of what it means for coverage and advertising, it's next level stuff. We often talk about the future of broadcasting and the future of sports in particular. Well, I reckon this weekend, across what's going on around Vegas, the future's there. Streaming playing a massive part. Sports like Formula One going hell-bent on the American market plus technology. And how do they incorporate that on both the broadcast side of things plus an event side of things. So not just sitting at home, but sitting there as well. So we'll keep our, our eyes on that one. Dougie Bollinger will join me this morning. We'll talk wines as we do on a Thursday with Ben Riggs, the winemaker, Ricky Ponting's uh, extravaganza with him, Ponting Wines. Matty Logue from News Limited with a fair bit going on in basketball and Christy Doran with a bit going on in Rugby Union as well. Christy's the editor of Rugby Union at the Raw. So that's the guest lineup. Cricket, well, India through to the ODI World Cup final. What a match last night. What a game of cricket this was in Mumbai. India, four for 397 off their 50 overs. So let's put all the talk about the pitch and all that kind of stuff aside because Darren Lehman, I saw him tweet out something uh, this morning where he just said the ICC should just have fresh pitches every match. Well, every finals match. I mean, are they short of cash? Are they running out of money, these guys? <laughs> I think they could do it. We've just I've just told you about what's going on in Vegas with technology and everything else around it. Holy cow, why don't they just do it and sort out all of these problems? That's another issue. Last night, though, was amazing. Virat Kohli, 117 off 113 balls. I mean, 
you almost look at it and go, well, of course he was going to. Sashin was there. His wife was there. It's in Mumbai. 50th one-day international century. Nine fours, two sixes, a strike rate of over 100. Shreyas Iyer with another century as well, back-to-back. Shubman Gill left the field, came back. He ended up on 80, not out off 66 deliveries. New Zealand gave it a crack in the end, but couldn't get there because Mohamed Shami went nuts. Shami with seven for 57 off 9.5 overs. Daryl Mitchell did his best, 134. And Kane Williamson chipped in with 69. But Shami with seven for... Absolutely derailed that run chase. So India go through, and now we wait to see what happens tonight at Eden Gardens in Kolkata, which is where, interestingly enough, you go back to the first World Cup win that Australia had. It was at this venue. Now, tonight it's a semi-final, but they won their first World Cup back here at Eden Gardens back in 1987. So a couple of key things to talk about, as you know. Weather. 28 degrees tonight during the day, and then it'll get cooler in the evening. Now, remember, over there, the match starts at 2 p.m. It'll start at 7.30 p.m. our time tonight with full coverage on SEN from 7 o'clock. So a 2 p.m. afternoon start at Eden Gardens. There is an 80% chance of rain during the day, and that'll just back away a little bit to a 60% chance at night. So essentially... Raining during the day is a big possibility and showers during the night enough to just enough to be a pest. And at night time, the humidity will be up to 91%. So we have to keep our eye on the weather and remember there is a reserve day. If they can get 20 overs per uh, team, then it can be considered a match. If they don't get a game completed, South Africa go through because they finished higher than us on net run rate. So that's the scenario around the weather. Then you go to the selections. And this we won't know until the toss. Do they go Marnus? The test style stability of Marnus at number five after the explosive batters ahead of him. Or do they go Marcus Stoinis? The power hitting explosion at number seven plus a sixth bowling option. Marnus or Marcus will find out. They they know. And Pat Cummins pretty much gave that game away Uh, in his media chats, we know what we're going to do, essentially, but they'll wait. And I'm still thinking that they might go towards Marcus Stoinis, but it's been that kind of tournament. Interesting, too, to see that Glenn Maxwell had to go off to uh, have precautionary scans on a hamstring strain. (laughs) I mean, he's okay, but, man, Glenn Maxwell, it just never rains, does it? Absolutely pours. So when you look at the Australians and you look at big games and you look at World Cups and then you go against South Africa, we know which way this is going to go. Five titles for Australia and just four knockout stage losses in 18 matches. When you look at experience, there are five of the likely starting 11 tonight in Australia that played in the winning 2015 World Cup final. Davey Warner, Steve Smith, Maxwell, Stark and Josh Hazelwood. Paddy Cummins was in that squad but didn't play. Of course, he did play in the T20 World Cup win alongside many others as well. Australia's played South Africa twice in World Cup semis, won them both, 99 and 2007. But then flip it to South Africa. Their big stat, 
and this has got lost on a lot of people, they are the only team in world cricket to have a positive win rate over Australia in one-day internationals. Nobody else. 55 wins, 50 losses. Nobody else has a positive win rate over Australia in ODIs, and that includes 15 wins in the last 18 matches, and, of course, they inflicted one of only two losses that Australia have had at this tournament. So they're the stats, but does experience come into it? Does Australia's momentum come into it? The kind of form that our key players have been in? I mean, if Maxwell and Mitch Marsh get going again tonight, then nobody will be able to stop them. If our bowlers step up, then nobody will be able to pin them down. I'm thinking Australia looking very good to go into a massive World Cup final, which will be against India. 0457 736 736 is our text line. Let me know your final thoughts on that. Do stats matter to you? Do you think the Aussies are running hot at the right time? Or do you think South Africa have a surprise? And what did you make of Virat Kohli last night? So he goes to the top of the list on 50 ODI centuries. It's an amazing statistic, made even more amazing by the fact that he's done it in 279 innings. Now, Sachin Tendulkar took 452 innings to get to 49. Ricky Ponting ended his career with 30 one-day international centuries. Not bad. <laughs> 365 innings. And Davey Warner is currently on 22 ODI centuries, maybe more to come. Both of those Aussies are inside the top 10 when you look at most centuries in uh, one-day internationals. Latrell Mitchell has spoken for the first time after his court case. We'll hear a little bit about that later on. Josh Mansour has spoken to Latrell, his former Rabbitohs teammate, on a podcast as they try and put all that behind him. In rugby union, I like the I like the sound of what Phil War is saying. The RA CEO has called off the raid on league talent. And this is off the back, as we know, of Joseph Suali's mega deal. Phil War has said the code can't continue to spend more than we afford. And this is the part that I like. He said we don't want to be attracting people because of the money, and then you don't have the environment sorted out. So we've got a job to do in terms of getting our game in order to attract the best possible athletes. It's simple stuff. But how often do we say, are they reading the room? Everyone knows the situation that rugby's in. None more so than the people that are in it. Believe me, they know, they hear, they see, they listen. And Phil War, in my opinion, has absolutely got it 100% correct here. Let's fix the environment first, and that environment covers a whole range of things, but let's fix that before we start spending money that we can't afford. So he could have come back and said, oh, well, rugby league's going to do this and we'll do that. And that would have been the easy and headline-grabbing way to do it. But his pragmatic approach is, uh, how about we do what we said we were going to do, which is have a look at this game, do the hard work, fix it, and give people an environment where they want to come to. Because at the moment, they splash cash around. A, they don't have it. And B, if they're spending it, what are the people who are going to buy it walk into? Not much. Not much at the moment. So it's not going to be a game changer. It's not going to tip the world upside down in rugby union all of a sudden. But Phil War has got his head wrapped around that job. And let's see if he can pull that rabbit out of the hat 
He knows it's going to be a long, long, long one. But he's playing the long game. And, of course, in soccer tonight down at uh, Amy Park, the Socceroos take on Bangladesh. Graham Arnold will break Frankie Farina's record of him being in charge of the Socceroos. So Arnie takes charge of his 59th game today. His first stint back in 2009 ended with a quarter-final Asian Cup exit. So congratulations to Graham Arnold. It should be an easy win for the Socceroos against Bangladesh. And then they jump on a plane tomorrow and go to Kuwait to take on Palestine. So everything changes there. one 300 is the open line number. So we got a lot to cover this morning, including the last listener standing quiz. So if you've been paying attention there, folks, I've pretty much given you most of the answers. I've pretty much given you everything. <laughs> Come and join us. Be part of the program this morning. Stick around. Let me know your thoughts about this Netflix Cup, if you watched it, where you think it might lead in Australian sport in particular, and what do the Aussies... Who's the go-to guy this afternoon and this evening for Australia against South Africa? Is it Glenn Maxwell? Is it Marcus Stoinis if he gets there? Is it Mitchell Marsh? Who's the man to bring out the big guns tonight against South Africa at Eden Gardens in Calcutta? We're back after this break. It's 21 minutes after nine.